You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Today's episode is being brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Today is Wednesday, June 30th. Today on the show, we are talking about Jalen Suggs. Because it seems more and more likely that Jalen Suggs is going to fall to the number four pick and end up in Toronto. Sean Woodley, a Locked On Raptors. He had me on his podcast that's going to drop tomorrow on Thursday. So we're going to play you a good portion of that today on this show. And then Friday on this podcast, we're going to talk more NBA draft coverage with Jackson Frank. Jackson, if you remember, wrote for the Gonzaga Bulletin. And then he was the Zags beat writer for The Athletic for the 2018-2019 season. And now he covers the NBA full time. And he's very, very in tune with the NBA draft. He's a big draft guy. Uh, So we're going to have him on on Friday for our Five Star Friday guest to kind of pick his brain a little bit about the Gonzaga prospects and how they fit into today's NBA. Before we get to today's show with uh, Jalen Suggs talk, let's kind of speed read through some of the news and notes from Tuesday. Another jersey number has been chosen, and this one is by Nolan Hickman. Nolan Hickman is going to be number 11, and he's got some big shoes to fill in that number 11 jersey because the last three guys to wear that number, Joel Ayayi, DeMontis Sabonis, and David Stockton. So a fourth straight really, really good player to wear the number 11 for Gonzaga. I mentioned yesterday that Josh Perkins is playing in the basketball tournament, and I neglected to mention that Admon Gilder is also playing in the tournament. I had not seen this news. One of our listeners uh, pointed this out to me yesterday. Admon Gilder is playing for the Omaha Blue Crew, which is a group of Mosley Creighton alumni, and they are going to take on purple and black in the first round of the basketball tournament, which is mainly Kansas State alumni. So if you're interested in watching Admon Gilder play, He's going to play July 16th at 3 p.m. Pacific. And like I mentioned yesterday, Josh Perkins' team, the Jimmy V team, he is going to play on July 25th at 7 p.m. Pacific. Speaking of those summer tournaments, yesterday, DeMontis Sabonis and Philip Petrushev were both in action as Lithuania and Serbia played in their first games of their two respective play-in tournaments. Lithuania, they beat Venezuela 76-65. DeMontis Sabonis had 12 points on 6 of 8 shooting along with 8 rebounds. He actually came off the bench for Lithuania. They started Jonas Valanciunas instead. They don't tend to play those two guys together too often. Um, So Sabonis came off the bench at 12 points, 8 rebounds. Uh, they won. They'll play again, uh, not today, but tomorrow in their second game of pool play. And then Philip Petrusev, he also came off the bench, but he had 17 points in 17 minutes. Serbia beat the Dominican Republic 94-76, to and they will play again this morning against the Philippines at 11.15 a.m. Pacific time. Both of those teams, Serbia and Lithuania, are now three wins away from qualifying for the Olympics next month in Tokyo. Some cool news that came out yesterday is that uh, Mark Few was named an assistant coach to the Team USA Select Team at the uh, Men's National Team training camp in Las Vegas. Essentially what this is, the Select Team is a group of players that comes in and helps prepare the actual Men's National Team for the Olympics. So it's kind of a bunch of scrimmages more or less, and and, uh, Gonzaga's coach Mark Few is going to help coach that team along with uh, Miami Heat coach Eric Spolstra. 
Some other really interesting coaching news is that Damon Stoudemire, Pacific head coach, he is in the running for an assistant gig with the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics' new head coach is Ime Udoka, and both of those guys, Udoka and Stoudemire, both from the Portland area, and they actually played a season together in San Antonio in the late 2000s. So they've got, um, I would imagine, some sort of friendship or at least some connection that uh, Udoka is interested in bringing Damon Stoudemire onto his staff and the Boston Celtics. For Pacific, that would be very, very unfortunate. Stoudemire's done, an obviously, a really, really good job over there. He's the WCC Coach of the Year in 2020. And it would just be kind of unfortunate for that program that the coach would leave basically two months before the start of practice. Um, you know, he brought in a whole bunch of transfers, so it would be really interesting to see where Pacific goes if Damon Stoudemire does end up taking this spot with the Boston Celtics. And then some unfortunate news to finish off the news and notes is that Zach Collins rebroke the foot that had just healed. So he's going to have surgery on that foot and he's going to be out indefinitely. He missed this entire season with injuries and he's missed, you know, the majority of the last three seasons with injuries. And now he's entering into free agency for the first time. And I really don't know what his market is going to be when he's healthy. He is kind of the prototypical stretch big in today's modern NBA, but the fact that he's never been healthy, obviously, is going to diminish what his free agent market is going to be like. So really, really, really unfortunate situation uh, for Gonzaga's first ever one and done in Zach Collins. Okay, coming up, we're going to talk about Gonzaga's second one and done, and that's Jalen Suggs. A whole bunch of Jalen Suggs talk coming up the rest of the show. What makes him a great NBA prospect And why is Toronto the best landing spot for him? I sat down with Sean Woodley from the Locked On Raptors podcast to discuss Gonzaga's freshman phenom. Before we get to that, today's episode is being sponsored by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. rockauto.com is for everybody, does not require membership or account login. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Okay, let's talk about Jalen Suggs. Like I said, I sat down with Sean Woodley from the Locked On Raptors podcast. This entire conversation is going to be coming out on his show uh, tomorrow on Thursday, but I'll play you a snippet of it here uh, that takes about the final 15 or 20 minutes of today's episode. It starts with Sean Woodley talking, and we just kind of talk about uh, the Raptors. We talk about Jalen Suggs, and we talk about why I think Jalen Suggs is probably the best fit for Toronto as opposed to him going to Cleveland or Houston. Overall impressions of the sole season for Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga, where he averaged 14.4 points, 5.3 boards, four and a half assists, and really kind of cemented himself as one of the top prospects in this draft. Yeah, and I think some of the stuff that he did off the court too, you know, you get these one and done players. Uh, and Gonzaga has had very few. He's the second one that they've ever gotten. But he was really the first one and done that was expected to be a one and done uh, when he came to campus. And a lot of times when you get one and dones at these, you know, blue blood schools, sometimes they're in it for themselves. Um, and then, you know, they're trying to put up as many points as they can to improve their draft stock, yada, yada, yada. 
Jalen Suggs was not that way. He came to Gonzaga with the goal of winning a national championship, and he was basically doing whatever he could for the team. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes that meant sacrificing his own personal scoring stats and stuff like that. Um, so he's a very, very unselfish player. He's a very team-oriented player, but obviously he's a fantastic basketball player. Um, and his willingness to learn, his willingness to be coached, his willingness to grow as a basketball player is something that Mark Few talked about a ton. And uh, I, it's you, I mean, we're probably going to talk about this, but it seems like the Raptors kind of have that same culture where he can fit in and be a really good player that can help a good team and elevate him to a great team, which is what he did at Gonzaga. It was already a foundation set there with a lot of experienced returning players. And he was that final piece that brought them to an elite level. And I think that's what he can do um, to the Toronto Raptors. I think there's a situation in Toronto. It's kind of similar to Gonzaga where they've already got an experienced guard that can play next to him. Um, And that's what Gonzaga had with Andrew Nemhard, who'd already been in college for two years, played two years in the SEC and so they kind of, you know, were the one-two tandem, and they're basically both point guards on the court at the same time. So kind of the same situation in Toronto where you can have Jalen Suggs and Fred Van Fleet together. I think that's a perfect situation for him, and it takes a lot of the um, kind of the emphasis, I guess, off of him to be a franchise-altering, changing player. Like if he were to go to Houston or Cleveland or something mm-hmm. like that, he'd be required to probably do so much more as opposed mm-hmm. to going to Toronto where he'd probably be asked to do a little bit less. And I think he could excel um, in that role. Yeah, it does feel, and we talked about this with the other prospects, but Suggs, it really kind of stands out. It, it seems like whoever the Raptors take, they're going to be able to ease into the role of eventually probably being projected as the number one guy one day, not right away. And they don't have to right away because they have, you know, three guys in their sort of central core, maybe four of Kyle Lowry's back that have the championship still on their resume and are sort of well-established and have made money in the league and are kind of in this different part part of their careers where they can kind of take up the mantle. And, you know, the, the sort of similarities, I didn't really think about the contrast between, you know, the situation with Gonzaga and what the Raptors situation would be, but that sounds, you know, it's a pretty easy fit. You're always looking for sort of easy fits when you're kind of evaluating guys and trying to jump to um, any sort of opinion and, and those little sort of indicators help, but it all kind of makes sense. The Raptors are a team that are not going to just hand the keys to some guy who comes in. And I think, you know, I had a mailbag question last week from a listener who was concerned maybe about the idea of taking a guy who's a highly touted prospect who, you know, has been the best player on every team he's been on and asking him to play less, a lesser role and kind of ease into whatever their long-term position is going to be. And I don't really have a ton of concern about that with the Raptors in general, just because of the way they operate. But it seems like Suggs in particular feels like a guy who's going to absolutely you know, not, you know, ruffle feathers if he's not the number one option from day one and he'll be able to slide in to guys who know how to win and know how to get paid and all that stuff. And it feels like it'd be pretty seamless. Like it, that, that sounds pretty great to me. <laughs> I'm all on board for that. In terms of on the court, Stephen, this year, you know, there, there's a lot to like of, about what Suggs did, you know, even with a bit of a suspect three-point shot, just 33.7% from deep. You know, he finished shooting nearly 59% on twos. He had a true shooting percentage just under 60 on a 25% usage, which is not easy to do. Um, Maybe it's defense. I'm not sure that kind of stands out the most. He averaged two steals a game too. Is there something that stands out in particular in terms of on-court stuff that was like the thing that popped the most to you? The thing that was like, oh, that skill is the thing that gets me the most excited about Jalen Suggs. Uh, especially at the next level, it's his ability to play in open space. Like he is unbelievable in transition. I I think he's the best 
transition player in this draft, even better than Cade Cunningham. Um, and I think overall, kind of going back to your mini rant that you just had, but Jalen Suggs, to me, has the highest floor of any of these prospects, maybe sure. besides Cade Cunningham. He may not have the highest ceiling, though ceiling is pretty high. You know, Mobley and Green and maybe Kaminga, you know, some people could argue that they have higher ceilings. But Jalen Suggs is the guy out of that group who's going to come in regardless of what team he goes to, and he's going to uh, excel right away. Like, he is ready Mm -hmm. to play now. Um, So I think he's got the highest floor, and I think one of the reasons is his ability to play in transition. He's also a little bit older. Um, Sure. I think he was... He's basically 20 years old when he entered campus. He played most of the freshman year. I think he was 20, as opposed to a lot of these guys came in freshman year, 18, 19 years old. So he's a little bit older, a little bit more mature. Um, like I said, he's a team player, but his ability to play in transition, play in open space, play off of ball screens, um, I think that is what excites a lot of people at the next level. Like you said, um, defensively, he's got a lot of steals. He's really, really active with his hands. He'll gamble a little bit, but I think mm-hmm. in the NBA, you know, players tend to gamble and you can take whatever you can get these days in the NBA when it comes to individual defense. Um, but he's really, really quick laterally, which is great. The one thing that you did mention is his three-point shot. Uh, that's probably his one weakness. But in terms of strengths and what you should be excited about right away is his ability to play in transition, in open space. And in the NBA, there's even more open space than there is in college. Um, mm-hmm. And Gonzaga kind of runs this system where they try to create as much open space as possible. Um, it's it's very a combination of NBA style and European style. So he's kind of used to playing in ball screens and that kind of system already. So it's kind of a natural transition to the NBA. So any team that's going to get him is going to be very, very excited because of that respect. Before Sean and I finish up here, let's talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. If you're not sure what flavor to get, I do suggest salted caramel. You could try a mixed box of multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They are great for the health-conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, Stephen, a little bit more on Jalen Suggs and what he brings to the table. Uh, You know, we talked about the transition game, which is excellent. A thing that has been a bit of an issue for the Raptors in the last couple of seasons, ever since Kawhi Leonard left, is the half-court offense. They've just not uh, they've not been a very efficient half-court team. They have things kind of break down. They've had some flourishes here where usually when they're running a Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam pick and roll on very few other occasions they, where they find some success, but it's been a struggle. And it was particularly so this year when you know they were depleted and there were even fewer guys to kind of help out and space for you know the, the ball handlers like Siakam and Van Vliet. Jalen Suggs, like you said, excellent transition. What's his sort of effectiveness in the half court? Obviously, the three-point shot, there's going to need to be some improvement there, particularly in terms of pull-ups, if he's ever going to become like a, a you know, top-of-the-tier elite pick-and-roll operator. But there's some other stuff there too, though. He's got the obviously the crazy athleticism, can break guys down off the bounce. What do you think Jalen Suggs would bring to the Raptors' half-court attack? Because thinking about Jalen Green, for example, the reason he's so appealing is, oh, that's a dude who can create something out of nothing and score when everything else is not working. Is Jalen Suggs that type of guy? Do you think he can be that type of guy in a couple years' time? 
If you watch the uh, national championship game, Gonzaga was very much overwhelmed by kind of the the strength and the athleticism that Baylor had. Mm-hmm. Jalen Suggs was the only guy on that court who could create for himself. <laughs> right. And so that can give you kind of a little bit of an answer to your question. I think the answer is yes. Um, he's got a really, really explosive first step. Like I've said, you know, he Gonzaga basically is 98% ball screens in the half court. So he reads those incredibly, incredibly well. He averages six and a half assists per 40 minutes. Um, and he's, you know, fairly low turnover numbers for the most part. Um, you'll get mm-hmm. his turnovers don't come in kind of half court ball screen decision making things. His turnovers come, um, you know, trying to do too much in the open right. court and transition, uh, sure. whether it's, you know, trying to make a dumb alley oop pass or dribbling <laughs> a little bit too much into traffic, that, those kinds of things. But in the half court, he's, he's a really, really solid decision maker. Um, and like I said, Gonzaga's system is built. So he's basically, I got three options off of ball screens, right? He can create for himself, get to the rim, which he does very well. And he finishes at a, at a fairly high clip, 60% plus, uh, at the rim. And obviously he can dump it down to the roller, but he's also got, you know, somebody elevating from the weak side, somebody at the strong side. I mean, he's really good seeing the entire court and making the correct decision. So I think playing in ball screens in a half court is something that, you know, Gonzaga, um, prepares their players for really, really well at the next level. And mm-hmm. I think uh, Jalen Suggs is going to do very well, whoever he goes to. The other thing to kind of think about when it comes to the fit with the Raptors is I think the Kyle Lowry of it all is certainly kind of hanging over whoever comes in. There's going to be like increased expectation, probably unfairly, almost certainly unfairly so. But, you know, if Kyle Lowry is on his way out, and I would assume that drafting Jalen Suggs is kind of a signal that maybe he's on his way out, there will be that sort of burden of, hey, like you got to be the next dude here to kind of shepherd on after the nine years, eight years that Kyle Lowry was everything for this team. Do you think Jalen Suggs is kind of built for that as well? Like, do you think the sort of increased expectation, do you think the sort of carrying the mantle for a franchise and kind of picking up the relay baton from a guy like Lowry will be something that he's sort of built for? Yeah, I'm sure he's going to relish the opportunity to do that. I mean, he, he at Gonzaga, you know, I mentioned he was the second or third, sometimes even the fourth option in a given game. But if if push came to shove and somebody needed to go get a basket, Jalen Suggs was the guy that they gave the ball to, like every sure. single time. And you could see that in the national championship. Like when they absolutely needed something, Jalen Suggs was going to create for himself and, and do what he needed to do. Going back to our last point about um, kind of half-court offense, if you want to stat – in non-transition, so basically half-court offense this year, he was 52 for 84 at the rim, which is 62%. And only 14 of those 52 shots that he made were assisted on, which means he's essentially creating for himself more often than not, which is sure unlike the rest of the team, which, you know, 50% plus of their makes at the rim were assisted. So Suggs knows how to create for himself when he has to create for himself. And, you know, a lot of the NBA, as opposed to the college game, a lot more of the NBA is based on um, individual creation. And he's yeah. got a skill set where he can individually create for himself. Um, he doesn't like Corey Kispert's a little bit different where he is, he is more reliant on spot up shooting. Um, he's not as quick. So he's, he, he relies a little bit more on others to create for him. Mm-hmm. Um, at least at the next level, he was able to kind of use his athleticism and strength a little bit at college, but 
Um, talk about Jalen Suggs. He's got the size, he's got the strength, he's got the athleticism, and he's got the first step quickness to create for himself whenever he needs to create for himself. And I think that's going to translate very well to the next level. Yeah, you're talking me into this a little bit more uh, every single time you talk there, Stephen. Because I, he's, he's just, like <laughs> he's a, he's a really good player, man. He really is. Yeah. I, I, he's just he's a solid. I, I, prospect rankings are hard, right? A lot of sure. the times you're trying to, um, you know, base what you think a guy is going to become. Like Evan Mobley, you think he's going to become a superstar at some point. You watched him against, I mean, freaking Drew Timmy in the NCAA tournament <laughs> and Timmy dominated him. He really did. Like he was completely ineffective against Gonzaga. Uh, but now he's like, okay, he could be the number two pick in the trap in the NBA draft because he's got potential to be something. Jalen Suggs already is something. And sure. that's why like some of these NBA draft prospects, like Brandon Clark coming out of college. I know this is very Gonzaga heavy, but Brandon Clark coming out of college, he was already See, a the, good The CanCon's good. We like the Canadian content, so keep yes, on with absolutely. the Brandon Clark. Carry on. <laughs> um, like, he was a, already a great basketball player, but because he was, you know, 23 years old or whatever it was, he slipped into the, the 20s. It's like, that should not have happened. Like, the guys that know how to play basketball and are good right now, maybe they don't have, you know, a superstar ceiling, but I don't think the Toronto Raptors need a franchise-altering, you know, top two unbelievable basketball player to keep their franchise moving forward. I mean, they're a couple years mm-hmm. removed from winning the championship. They still got a core, like they need somebody who's really, really good right now. And I think that guy is Jalen Suggs. Yeah. That's my thing in sort of thinking about, we talked this about, uh, talked about this yesterday when we were talking about Jonathan Kaminga with Dakota Schmidt and the sort of the timeline thing being more of a factor for the Raptors than it is for other typical lottery teams where they already have guys who are on their second deals and, do they want to get someone who's ready to hit the ground running now? And if not, does that signal something else about what they think about what their core is going to be two or three years from now? And I think if you are just trying to hit the ground running, Suggs seems like the pick. I mean, Jalen Green has all the upside in the world. First of all, he might not be there, so there might not be a decision here. And the nice thing is that the Raptors won't have to make the decision, it seems, between the two Jalens. There'll just be one there for them, and they could take him. In terms of the readiness to just kind of insert the dude in the lineup and say, all right, run with it and see what you can do. Suggs does seem like the guy. And my biggest concern and the reason I've kind of compared the Jalen's and it's really easy to do. They're both, you know, two guards or, you know, lead guards who can have the ball in their hands. I'm not sure if we needed to give the distinction of point guard necessarily, but if you compare the two, you know, the big concern is, you know, Jalen green has that shot creation that is probably unmatched in the draft class. But if Jalen Suggs can do, a close enough approximation to that level of shot creation, all the other stuff seems to really just kind of fit into a, what the Raptors typically look for and B what the Raptors timeline is at this present moment. And so, yeah, you know, if, if green's there, it means Suggs is not probably. And so I'm happy to take green. Um, but the Suggs pick, if it's like the consolation prize of Suggs falling to four doesn't sound too bad based on uh, the way we've talked about him so far, Steven, if you're looking at, things of the Jalen of the Jalen Suggs experience that maybe need a little bit of touching up a little fine tuning, uh, maybe a lot of fine tuning. Where do you look in terms of growth areas for him and say, that's the most important thing. If he's going to reach his potential. It's 100% consistency when it comes to shooting the basketball. Um, he He had a game early in the season where he was seven for 10 from deep against Iowa. He looked like the greatest shooter to ever live. Uh, and then he went on a stretch during like the middle of the season where he couldn't hit anything. And then by the end of the year, like 
uh, in the WCC championship against BYU, he was mired in this just long, long slump. And then all of a sudden he hit the two biggest threes of the game to give them a WCC championship victory. So number one, I think that speaks to his ability to hit clutch shots and, you know, rise to the moment, which he's always done throughout his high school and college career. Um, but B, he's got to get more consistent when it comes to jump shooting. And that's not just three-point mm-hmm. shooting, uh, but it's also, I think we've talked about this, and you talked about it a little bit with Jalen Green. Jalen Green is a better shot creator when it comes to, you know, pull-up threes or, you know, hitting threes off the dribble, mid-range shots, all that kind of stuff sure. that Jalen Suggs is. If Suggs can get to, I don't know, 80% of that level that Jalen Green is at, you know, his ceiling rises a little bit more. Sure, um, sure. So, yeah, that, that, that would be the thing that if you're going to have any pause, it's, okay, can he be a little bit more consistent shooting the basketball from deep? I mean, he shot 34% on the season, which is not awful by any stretch, Um, Mm -hmm. but you want to see that, you know, into the high 30s, if you can get it into the high 30s. I want to ask you about the defense a little bit. You know, sometimes you'll see guys come out of college and it's like, oh, those big, sexy defensive numbers, the, the big steel numbers, things like that. This was kind of a thing with Malachi Flynn last year when the Raptors took him because he won the defensive player of the year in the, I want to say the Mountain West, like mostly off of like huge steel numbers. And the question was, okay, is he going to be strong enough to actually play like NBA defense and man up on dudes? Is he, you know, being lucked out by the fact that there's lots of zones and things like that? It's a little bit easier to exist as, as a defender in college. It seemed like Flynn kind of picked it up pretty quickly. You know, maybe he's not super strong, but he's great at jumping passing lanes, things like that. With Suggs, you know, do you think the defense that you've talked about, can that translate? Can he be a guy who's an on-ball defender of, you know, a high leverage, you know, playmakers, things like that? Or is that something that is a little bit more sort of, all right, wait and see how it translates to the NBA? No, I think it's going to translate well because his, he's a strong, big-bodied player. It, it would give yeah. me a little bit of concern if he were basically Malachi Flynn size, where he's 6'1", yeah. <laughs> 180, as opposed to 6'4", 210. Yeah. Um, but according to all the advanced metrics, I mean, Jalen Suggs had the best defensive rating of anybody on Gonzaga last year, and they had some pretty decent defenders. Um, so I, I don't really have any concerns because his lateral quickness is at a really high level. He's got, you know, that really strong frame, um, and he's really, really active with his hands. So I, I really don't think that that is going to be a huge issue. There's always a growing pain here and there when you're translating to the next level, whether it's high school to college or college to the NBA, whatever it is, there's going to be at least some uh, transition there. But Jalen Suggs has also played at the international level throughout his entire career as well. He's played for Team USA at the U-17s, the U-19s. He won a gold medal a couple summers ago at the U-19 in the FIBA World Cup. So he's been playing against elite-level athletes his entire life. Obviously, Mm -hmm. he's not been playing against, you know, full-time NBA athletes forever. Um, So, like I said, it's going to be a little bit of a transition there, but he's been playing against high-level athletes his entire career. Um, So I don't think the the defensive side is going to be a huge concern coming into the NBA, to be honest. Hey, big thank you to Sean Woodley for having me on his show. If you want to listen to our entire conversation, which is closer to 30 minutes, you can tune into the Locked on Raptors podcast on Thursday morning tomorrow, and you can get some more information that I cut out of today's show. That is going to do it for today. We're going to be back on Friday for another Gonzaga five-star Friday where we sit down with Jackson Frank and do some more NBA talk. We're going to talk about uh, Jackson's time covering Gonzaga and how he thinks Jalen Suggs and Joel Yai, Corey Kispert, and even Phil Petrushev, how he thinks all of those guys are going to fare in the NBA draft. 
Don't forget, you can tune into the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today on the show, they're talking about what in the world happened with the Milwaukee Bucks last night. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at escargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show with your story or any questions or ideas you want me to talk about in the offseason, feel free to do so, and I do need ideas here coming up in a couple of weeks. LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Wednesday. We'll see you back here on Friday morning for another Gonzaga 5-Star Friday. It is a great day to be a Zag.